Good morning. I was really glad that uh, we got a chance to see all the Timothy Award winners. I'm really impressed by all the word that they hide in their heart, that they memorize, that they uh, commit to memory. Because the word is vital to us. It is, uh, if you will, a rudder, um, an anchor. It's a... our stability is God's word to us about the challenges that we face in life, our destiny in life, and uh, how to live our lives. So this morning, because uh, of the Timothy Award winners, I wanted us to look at Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 and 6. And what he says there. What the proverb says is, uh, in effect, God's word is my bond. Maybe you've heard somebody say, my, my word is my bond. Have you ever heard that? It, uh, it's an expression that's been around a while. It gained a little attention when uh, Michelle Obama and then later Melania Trump both characterized the solid values of their childhood upbringing, their training. And uh, they stress the value of hard work and honesty. Uh, Michelle Obama, the Democratic National Convention, she was introducing herself to the nation. Melania Trump at the Republican National Convention introducing herself to the nation both characterize themselves in terms of this kind of solid background. My word is my bond. My word is my bond. In fact, quoting that your word is your bond and you do what you say and keep your promise, to quote the words of Mrs. Trump. In English, my word is my bond, has been traced back to the 16th century. In fact, my word is my bond was a way of binding oaths or binding words. And uh, traders and merchants sealed binding legal contracts, pacts, probably having to do with sales and different things, the exchange and transactions of lives, and they, they put their word on it. Even before they uh, came up with the whole idea of you know, receipts and contracts and stuff, your word was your bond. But it goes back even further than the 16th century. It goes back to Moses in Numbers chapter 30, verse 2, where Moses instructs the tribes of Israel, when a man swears an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word. Let me repeat that. 
when a man swears an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word, and he shall do according to all that comes out of his mouth. That's binding. That's what it means when it says, my word is my bond. And that's what God is telling us in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 5 and 6. Let me read it to us. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words lest he rebuke you, and you be found a liar. My word is my bond. That's what God is saying. Even as uh, Moses said, when you, you, know, you bind your soul with a bond. That's about as intense as you can get when it comes to say, I'm going to be true to my word. If I say something to you, I'm going to do it. If I make a promise, I'm going to fulfill that promise as it's in my power to fulfill it. I'm not going to make promises that I can't fulfill. I'm not going to say things that aren't true. I'm not going to say to you just what you want to hear, but I'm going to speak the truth that corresponds to my life. And that's what God is saying. And I want you to know that as one who speaks to you about God, that is a, you know, that's, that's a major responsibility for me. And I speak to you not only about God, but I speak to you about living for God. I have to preach to myself, and I highly recommend it, by the way. We would all do better in life if we, if we would learn to preach to ourselves. You know, like, tell yourself to do the right things. Call yourself out on stupid thinking. Really, challenge yourself. Say, I, I'm not going to let myself stand for that. I'm not going to let myself indulge in that kind of silly talk or reckless thinking, exaggerated thinking. How many of us, when we talk, we say, everybody? Or we say, nobody? Seriously? Everybody? or nobody, or we say always, or never. We say I can't, when we really won't. We fudge a lot. We aren't very precise with our words. We want to influence people. We want them to believe us, so we, you know, kind of dress up what we're saying, build it up but we're not accurate. We're not straight as we should be. I want you to know that I preach to myself. 
I, uh, I must believe before I ask you to believe. I can't tell you to believe what God's word says. I can't tell you to trust God's word, that he and his word is his bond if I don't trust his word or I don't try to live first what God's word is asking us to do. And that's pretty tough, but I try. I seek to do that. That creates a lot of spiritual warfare for me during the week because, you know, there is a spiritual battle for the priority, the most important things in our lives, and when we put it on the line for the Lord or we're trying to do the right thing in faith, not because it feels right or because it's in our list of things to do, but we just do it because we know this would please the Lord. There's opposition to that. And when the going gets tough, faith gets going. Faith gets going. And every day, I mean, we don't exercise our faith just on special occasions. If we're going to do this thing, it's a daily exercise of faith. There are countless opportunities every day to exercise our faith in Jesus Christ, to live for him, to follow him, to do it his way, under his guidance. And you know why? Because we believe him, or we say we do. Because his word is his bond, and his word is good. His word is the word I want to hear. His word is the word that promised me things that nobody else can promise me. His word is the word that says I count when no one else says I count. His word is the word who says to me, I love you and nobody's going to turn me away from you. And that's the word I need to hear. That's the word that I thrive on because nobody else says that to me. So I'm willing to follow him against the grain, against the herd, and do the right things. And when I fail, I don't face his scorn. He knows I'm trying. He picks me up. He dusts me off. He pats me on the butt. And he says, go get him, kiddo. And it's just like that. So when we trust him, we get wisdom because his word is full of wisdom the world doesn't have. We get wisdom when we trust God's word. And I want to point out to you the quality of his word in verse 5. We need to trust the quality of his word. And then we'll find in the Second half, we need to realize that the reliability of his word, not just the quality, but the reliability of his word is because he himself backs his word. His word is conduit to him, our God. The first thing we need to note in in verse 5 is that he says his word is tried and true. Well, that's my way of wording it, but that's what we mean. If it's tried, 
then it's tested and it's pure. Do you know in antiquity, I mean, now we have all kinds of, of tests. Uh, you know, the microscopic world in which we live, the microchip, the little things, and testing, de de determining credibility, you know, DNA testing, blood testing, all of this kind of stuff. We can't even see it going on. The, the guy in the lab coat comes out and he gives us the results of all the tests and says, this is bona fide, this is true. But in antiquity, uh, you cooked it, you burned it. You set it on fire and what survived was really worth something. So you go, wow, it's so yellowy. Yeah, that's called gold, or it's silvery. Whoa, that's silver. Well, that's worth keeping around. In fact, the more we burn it, the purer it gets. And that's what God is saying right here about his word. That common testing that everybody approved of, it was the kind of universal way of testing. He says that's been put to his word, and his word survives it in flying colors. In fact, in Psalm 12, 6, it actually tells us this. The words of the Lord are pure words like silver refined in a furnace, purified seven times. This morning I was thinking, people don't read enough. How much do you read anymore? Do you like to read books? When, when I was the age of some of you, my mother could not, she bribed me all the time. Her bribes did not work. I did not want to read. That was a waste of time. I didn't like to read. Shelley, on the other, other hand, Shelley uh, and I are husband and wife. Shelley is my wife. I am her husband. Shelley and I, I've known her since she was 19. And she was a voracious reader. Now I read voraciously too. I don't know how you develop that, but I hope you become a reader. And especially that you cherish and read God's word for yourself. I'm happy to talk to you about it. It arouses me, it excites me, it energizes me. God's word brings me to life and it will you too. You can't just let me do that for you. I'm happy to anytime you want. And I want to kind of energize people around me. And do you know what energizes me when other people don't energize me? God's word energizes me. Because I believe it's true. And that energizes me. That gives me power. That gives me strength. We can't always wait on other people. I can't depend on you to supercharge me. You're not my battery. You're not my power system. And if God's word is going to work for you, it's, it's not like a rabbit's foot in your pocket or some kind of talisman you hang around your neck. It's, could you imagine having vitamins, but you never take them? And you go, wow, they work so well. Look at all the things that they do. And it's got all this stuff in it. And if you take them, it, it promises to help you and make you healthy. But I just like to look at them. 
And I like to get with other people that like to talk about vitamins. In fact, I want to start a web page about vitamins and a society of vitamin takers. But, you know, we don't really require you to take them. That would be silly, wouldn't it? Memorization, like the Timothy Awards, that's good. That's, that's better than just reading. That's ingesting it, really planting it. Planting it in your life. But knowing about God's Word is not enough. As good as believing the Word is, it's better to live by it. Because until you live by it, you really haven't, really haven't, really haven't heard it, really haven't memorized it, really haven't planted it in your heart. That's just at the point of knowledge until you live it out. That's faith. That's true faith. My uncle, my uncle Ralph, died a few years ago. Um, he was a teenager when I was born, and we were born on the same day. So I think not only was I his uh, boy nephew, but very special to him. And I mean, he lived in the 50s. I mean, I was born back then, but I mean, right, he was a teenager in the 50s. So Grease, um, you know, the white t-shirts with the pack of cigarettes uh, rolled up in there and the blue jeans with the cuffs and the black leather Oxfords and stuff uh, riding the street. That was my uncle. He uh, went on to build pools. He was a pool builder. And he was not just a pool ped builder, he was a pool peddler, he was a salesman. Uh, he sold people on pools. Can you imagine my uncle devoting his life to selling people's pools and building those pools but not owning one himself or ever swimming in a pool? We don't want to be like that. But he did own a pool. He believed in pools. He believed it because he loved pools. And we ought to too. Notice the second part of verse 5, how God himself backs his word. The point of the first part is to lead us to the second part. And that ties in with what I've been talking about. God is saying, trust me. He says, see, he talks about the word, but then in the second half of the verse, it uses the word he. So he's not talking about just the word being tested. He's talking about himself. And he says, uh, he says, you who take refuge in me, I will be a shield for you. That's a whole nother level of trust. And that's why we want to notice that in the second part of verse 5 and into 6, God is asking us to trust the reliability of, of, him, of he himself. He is the credibility of his word. 
And it leads to believing and trusting. Because of God's personal backing, because it's God's bond, his word is ever calling us to trust him. Next week, we'll be in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Do you know how it starts? Trust in the Lord. See? That's how you, the word shows you the Lord. And when you take his word to heart, you go beyond that word to trust in the Lord himself. You realize that that word is pointing to him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will make your path straight. Proverbs chapter 4. Okay, so now imagine we've been in chapter 3. We're just turning like a page in our Bibles. There we are in chapter 4, verses 20 through 22, and it says this. The dad's speaking to a child. Incline your ear to my sayings. That's what inclining your ear is. What did she say? I want to hear that. Incline your ear, he says. He says, let them not escape from your sight. So in other words, a more spatial way of saying, don't let the word be lost to your memory but keep it where you can see it. Keep it close at hand. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Um, you know, as I get just a little bit older, uh, I find myself wanting to hoard. You see how transparent and honest I am with you? Are you familiar with hoarding? Yeah, it's that, you know, things that matter to you, you just want a backup. And then maybe you want a backup to the backup. And it just feels a little better to have not only a backup to the backup, but another backup to that backup. So maybe you have, you know, just a little stockpile. Any of you? tempted at all like that, or you just, you find, I've got more here than I can use. I've got to start using this, but no, you only use the surplus so that you don't touch the stockpile, because there's a certain, I don't know, degree of security in that. So that's, here's how that works with the Word of God. See, I've got this Bible, but I really don't want to read it and I don't want to do what it tells me to do. But I love the Word of God, so I buy more Bibles. I've got like 10 Bibles, but I don't even read the one that I've got. This has got to stop, folks. You don't want to be on a reality show. God's word in verse 6 comes from his personal warranty. There is a guarantee in verse 6, providing we don't tamper with it. Have you ever seen one of the... You, I, I, I see this all the time. There's a, a lifetime guarantee, 
But then if you read the fine print, you can't do this or this or this or this to the product or you break the guarantee. It invalidates the lifetime guarantee. Like, you know, I don't know, putting a flashlight in the dishwasher or something like that. It breaks the guarantee. And God is saying in verse 6, if you tamper with my word, obviously you're going to be the liar, not me. You're on the hook, not me, when you add or subtract or the other things you do. You know, Eric Putman was our junior high pastor. He came from the Midwest, and now he's in Texas, and I stay in touch with Eric. He is so funny. But he wanted some of my special salsa. I don't know if you know that I'm a world-class salsa maker. And um, uh, yeah, even a guy from Del Monte wanted to, you know, like figure out how to mass produce my salsa because he just thought, you know, it would take over the market. I'm not going to tell you what the name of the salsa would be, but I, I've only shared the recipe. I, I shared it with a couple that have been after me for a long time. In all the years that I've been making this salsa, only four other people than me know the recipe, and one of them was Eric Putman. Can you believe that? And do you know what? I asked Eric the next day, did you make the sauce? Yes, I did. How was it? He started shaking his head, man. It didn't turn out. I said, what did you do wrong? What did you do to my recipe? He says, I followed it to the letter. He took a clove of garlic. It, It takes a clove, one clove of garlic. But see, for Eric, a clove was a bulb So you see, when it comes to God's word, sometimes we're the problem, you know? Um, We don't have the right definition or cooking experience to uh, read a recipe. And uh, God cannot be held responsible if we tamper with his word. But Hebrews 4.12 does tell us something that's very important. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit. That's always gotten me because that speaks to the fact that God's Word is living. It's surgical. You know what I mean? It's, it, notice... Uh, sharper than any two-edged sword. Well, that was the standard in that day. This would be sharper than a laser. But the point is, is it's not the laser or the two-edged sword. It's the one that is at work in the Word, and that is God himself. And you see, as we're told in 4.12, It pierces the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You see, it's doing a work on us that is purifying, that is turning us in a way that we are growing closer and more like God when we trust in his word, when we follow 
his word. Because as the proverb tells us, when we're doing that, we're actually engaged with him. And that reminds me If there's any doubt about God's word being his bond, we who live today and are on this side of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we know that Jesus is God's bond. And that is his word. It's even said so in the New Testament. John, for example, in the beginning was the Word, the Logos. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We mentioned that just last week when we were talking about getting wisdom and gaining life and then giving life. This wisdom is ours in Jesus Christ. This bond is ours in Jesus Christ. And if we sometimes wish we knew exactly what God wants us to do, we're always safe and sound and right on target when we put our eyes on Jesus and say, Jesus, I'll follow you in this. I'll follow you in this. Because Jesus is his word, and his word is his bond. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who really brings your word to a completely new realization of its power, its living value, and effective force in our lives, because your word is an expression of your own heart and love for us. And we thank you and praise you. We love you for it. May we be alive this week because of it. May we give life to others in the name and power of Jesus Christ through the work of your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said,